0: Welcome, I'm David Nurse, MBA shooting coach turned life optimization coach, speaker, author, leader of all types. On this show, we bring on high performers, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people doing amazing things in this world, but they weren't always at that spot. And we talk about how they got through their stuck situation and made their pivot to achieve their success. So join me every week as we pivot And go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goal. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving the toast. I live that 1% of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change and help you get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. That ain't the end of the road. Just pivot and go. Pivot and go. Welcome back to the Pivot and Go podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to go in depth on the Enneagram and the one who made it famous himself, Ian Morgan Cron. Ian is a best-selling author, speaker, and just an amazing voice in the space of finding your true self-awareness. The book, The Road Back to You, goes in depth on the Enneagram and all the different typologies that are involved in it. On this episode, we're going to talk a lot about my sevenness, as you will see. And basically, I get a, a self help coaching session from Ian himself. It's, it's a thing of beauty. You'll have to listen to find that all out. But buckle up because Ian Morgan Cron is about to typology Enneagram UA. Here we go. everything go. Ian Morgan Cron, welcome. the Pivot and Go podcast, the Enneagram guru himself coming from hot chicken, Nashville, Tennessee. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing wonderfully, man. Thank you.
0: This is a very exciting episode for me because I have been a huge fan and believer in the Enneagram so to be able to dissect this, not only will it be great for the audience, but there's going to be a lot of selfish questions that I'm asking for my own personal growth as well. So before we dive into the podcast, can you just give everybody an overview of what the Enneagram is and, and why it's so valuable?
1: Yeah. So the Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that teaches there are nine basic personality styles in the world. One of which we gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope to protect ourselves, and to make our way in in the world. Very importantly, uh, each type has an unconscious motivation that powerfully influences how that type habitually and predictably acts, thinks, and feels uh, from moment to moment.
0: Love it. Let's just go through all the nine types then, so everybody has kind of a feeling of what those nine types are.
1: Cool. So what I'm going to do is, is uh, okay. You know, that's always a manic episode. There's nine types. However, <laughs> uh, let's see if I can. Let me see if I can get this done in quick order. Okay. Yes. Uh, so ones are called the improvers. Uh, they are meticulous, detail-oriented, uh, and often morally heroic people who are motivated by a need to perfect themselves, others, mm. and the world, and everything that they do. Twos are called the helpers. Uh, these people are warm, they're supportive, they're kind, uh, they're generous. These are, are people who very simply, if I were gonna put it in the most basic of terms, want to be liked. They're motivated by a need to be liked and appreciated. Threes are called the performers. Uh, These people are competitive, they're ambitious, they're goal-oriented, they're productivity-minded, and they're efficiency experts. These are people who have memorized David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. (laughs) Uh, They're motivated by a need to succeed, to appear successful to others, and to avoid failure at all costs fours uh, are called the romantics Uh, some people call them the unicorns of the enneagram we believe that there are probably fewer fours in the population than any other type which absolutely delights fours um fours uh, are people who uh believe that they have some kind of essential um piece that's missing at their core, some kind of a fatal flaw. And therefore they're motivated by a need to be special and unique in order to compensate for that missing piece. Fives are called the investigators. They are the most analytical, sometimes the most emotionally distant number on the Enneagram. These are folks who have a need to gather knowledge and information Uh, particularly about niche subjects in order to fend off feeling overwhelmed by what feels like a depleting world, you know, a draining world. Sixes are called the loyalists. We think there are more uh, sixes than any other type in the population. Uh, Sixes, loyal, steadfast, earthy, funny, practical, uh, good problem solvers. These are people who are motivated by a need to be safe, Secure and supported. Sevens called the enthusiasts. You don't know any sevens, do you? I might know yeah. one. I might know one. <laughs> okay. I just want you to know that every time if I if I'm speaking to a hundred people or ten thousand people, every time I get to the sevens, all of the sevens in the room do what you just did. They start uh, waving their hands yes. and, and going, woohoo! They just you know, Dang, I'm like everybody
0: else. Shoot, I want to be uh I wanna be a four.
1: Yeah, man. Just for now, you don't okay. you don't really want to be a four. Trust okay. me. Okay. So sevens, uh, <laughs> called the enthusiasts. Uh, these are people who are the joy bombs of the enneagram. Energetic, charismatic, dynamic, uh, eternal optimists. Uh, people who are you know just bring so much juice and joy into the room that generally speaking, people are always happy to see a seven. However, they have a dark side like every other type, and for them, it's a need to avoid emotional and psychological, uh, distress or painful feelings. Wow. Okay. Uh, eights are called the challengers, uh, larger than life, powerful, uh, confrontational and overly blunt. Uh, these are, uh, people who have a need to assert strength and control over the environment and others in order to mask vulnerability. And then nines finally are called the peacemakers, uh, oftentimes called the sweethearts of the Enneagram. They're accommodating, easygoing, laid back, don't rock the boat, go with the flow kind of human beings who want to avoid conflict, maintain connections with other people, and often merge with the agendas and life programs of uh, another person or the group in service to uh, maintaining connection with them. So that's the... The nine types, and it's important to realize that within all nine types, there's an infinite variety of expressions of each of those types. So uh, that that makes it possible for the whole planet to find their way into one of those silos.
0: That's amazing. I feel like you've given that uh, a time or two. You you nailed that right on the head, <laughs> and it's interesting. Well, as I've had a few chances. Yeah, <laughs> <I> can tell. <laughs> As a seven, which you spoke of the enthusiast, you like you got it exactly right. My wife would be just just blown away by knowing that, hey, Ian knows exactly where my weak points are. So thank you for that relationship advice too. And this is this is too good to go any other way of we'll talk about your big life pivot personally, but I want to dive deeper into this. And of all these nine types, they're also broken up into three main categories right am i right with the heart the head and the body yes so is in in looking at these numbers now i know people are probably thinking of and this is what i thought the first time as well too is there a is there a bad type are all types equally on the same playing field is it should you be one and not be the other
1: no uh so what i would say is that every type uh, uh, operates on a continuum from healthy too unhealthy. And you might think of that as self-aware and really not self-aware, right? Yeah. Uh, and so every number is wonderful when, to the degree that they're self-aware. When they're not self-aware, uh, unaware of their blind spots, the, um, the, the drivers that are operating beneath the surface line of consciousness in their life. Those folks tend to bang guardrail through, to, you know, to guardrail through life, you know, through relationships and work, uh, in, in, you know, every setting. Go.
0: <sighs> oh, you know, that feeling you get when you just wake up and you are not rested or recharged. Yeah, we all have it. We all go through it. How do I wake up with full energy every single day? It is literally the game changer itself. Chilly sleep. I have an Uler that goes underneath my mattress and cools my body temperature to the ideal temperature to get deep sleep. REM, high HRV scores. Now I have mine pretty cold, about 57 degrees. The optimal level is between 57 and 65 degrees. I have a weighted blanket, which is cools my body. and I'm just sleeping in restorative sleep. So when I wake up in the morning, no matter how many hours I get, I am juiced up and ready to go. And lucky for you, you can wake up the same way. The people at Chili Sleep are giving you a discount, giving you a code. So go to chillytechnologycom forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse to get your special discount pricing there. Remember, that is chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse, Or just click the link below and it'll take you right there. It's sleep like a polar bear. Tonight, get the best night's sleep of your life, chilly sleep. Every morning when I wake up, the first thing I put into my body is element, rehydration. It's so important right when you wake up to get your brain going, everything in your body flowing with the correct hydration, not sugar, not these things you'll be seeing in these sports commercials, but element. Backed by science and a lot of salt, magnesium, potassium, sodium, it has all the elements to give you the perfect hydration that you need to attack your day. I drink one in the morning, and I also drink it during my workout to give me that extra energy boost. And I'm not feeling any of the crashes from sugar. I've got the salt, and I've got Element. Check out the link below and in the show notes to get your code, your discount, your super special pricing on Element, and rehydrate your life. Everything go. And that's funny you say that because that is at the core what we're trying to find, our true self-awareness. So in figuring out your number, how does that help you find your true self-awareness, but also help you find out who other people are as well? Because it, it almost takes away the, the, the shield of, of race, of diversity, of anything. And just you're a number. At the core, we're all just numbers.
1: Well, I would be careful with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, a little I, yeah. <laughs> Okay, good point. <laughs> I, I say that because human beings are insanely complicated people, and what you get from the Enneagram really is a low-resolution picture of the interior terrain of other kinds of people. Now, you may get ten percent more clarity about the motivation and the predictable patterns of behavior of each of these personality types. Um, but you may only get 10% more clarity than you have before about who these people are. But 10% is a gigantic leap forward compared to other people, right? It's a huge leap forward, but you know, uh, the Enneagram Uh, you have to have, you have to have a little humility around it and just recognize that, you know, it's, it's not the Rosetta stone. You know what I mean? It's not like some magical book that tells you everything there is to know about nine different types of people. (laughs) You know, it, it, it has its limitations, but it's incredibly useful, right? Uh, as a, as a model of, of personal understanding, how does it help you grow in self-awareness? Well, self-awareness, I think begins with (laughs) self-knowledge. You know what I mean? Like you it's really important that that human beings know themselves. And what the Enneagram does in such an efficient and uncannily accurate way is explain to you why you uh, habitually act, think and feel the way that you do, the operations of your personality. And when you are able to learn how to observe yourself in real time and begin to monitor and regulate how your personality is affecting other people, it begins to remove conflict, inefficiencies, it, it arouses uh, empathy, compassion for other people whose types you're beginning to know and understand. It, it really begins to give you insight uh, in a very accessible way. You know, it, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful tool in that regard. And, you know, uh, I, I worry about how, for example, how many leaders clearly to me have no idea who they are or why they are the way they are. And, you know, they're just going through life is like an accident waiting to happen or a frequent accident that happens and they don't know why, <laughs> you know, so- Uh you know, why have I been married three times? You know what they say? Or why why have I you know been fired four times for the same job? You know, why am I being criticized for the same thing over and over and over and over again? You know, so for you, for example, as a, a person who coaches a lot of people in life, right? It, I'm just going to tell you, man, you need to know those nine types. Yeah. If you know the type that you work with in a player or, a, you know, your, I don't care who you're coaching, You will have so much insight and it would take you years to get the same level of insight that just, you know, learning and knowing their type would give you in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, totally. And I use it with all my players and I'll know what type they are before I I really dive in depth and work with it. Because it really is. It shows you how they're motivated. It shows you how they're motivated. It shows you what they're afraid of. Like you said, I think I'm doing a disservice, though, in being able to really utilize it. So I'll know what type they are. Are there any tricks, tools like this is great for cultures too. with business leaders that I coach CEOs? Oh, yeah. I always have them take it as well, because you're right. Like you will get in your own way unless you know who you are. Are there any ways to take it a step further of, okay, I know my type. Now, how can I really get the best out of me? How can I really lead myself so I can lead others?
1: So I, you know, the majority of my work is in the corporate sphere, yeah. uh, working with CEOs, working with senior management teams, team leaders of divisions, you know, all people like that, CEOs, um, people who are in crisis in their jobs that, you know, they have a company that doesn't want to lose them because they're too valuable, but at the same time, they have no self-awareness and they're causing destruction everywhere, you know, in, in terms of bringing teams down or demotivating people, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Totally. Um, you know, I think once you, you know your type and what it looks like when it's operating in its highest expression, mm. its best expression, right? And what do you need to watch out for, right, in your life? Uh, then you can begin to make freer and better choices. You know what I mean? Totally. Like totally. when you are being motivated by things that you don't understand or you don't recognize… You don't have any freedom you're at its mercy <laughs> the more freedom you have you go okay i know what's happening right now i know the uh the pitfall i am presently falling into i would like to make a new and different choice right now than the one i used to make that consistently got me into trouble <laughs> you know yeah uh and and the enneagram gives you a growth path uh, to do that
0: that's really good
1: and that's a growth path, a transformational path for each type. So unlike, you know, I like strength finders, I like DISC. I like anything that, that, you know, elevates people's self-awareness, but what the Enneagram is good at is telling you, I mean, <laughs> I will say this, uh, the Enneagram, if you're looking for flattery, don't mess around with the Enneagram. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Go take yeah. strength finders, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but, 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 the Enneagram is going to reveal to you that what's best about you is also what's worst about you. And what's worst about you is also what's best about you. And that's what all of us need to know in life.
0: Totally. It almost helps us take a step back, like out of the action to see ourselves in a bigger picture. Yes. And see, hey, yes, David,
1: David, why am I doing
0: this? Or, hey, this is me at my best. How can I get back there? That's a
1: great well, you're- point you're exactly right. Cause most people are on autopilot. Yeah, They're kind of lost. They're kind of lost in the trance of their, the behaviors and the way of thinking and feeling that they've always been in. So they haven't learned to step back. We call that the inner observer, the inner, the ability to step back and, 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 and observe yourself compassionately without being, you know, beating yourself up, but just standing back and going, huh, what's the, why am I feeling this anger right now? Or why am I, why am I feeling this, um, melancholy or sadness? It's just the ability to stand back and say, you know, um, is this true? Do, do I really want to be this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, do, or do I want to be, uh, someone who's living in a more integrated and conscious way in the world, a mindful versus a mindless way in the world.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big believer in speaking things into existence, and having the power of the stories that we tell ourselves, are our thoughts in our minds. And I feel like also with this, and I know for myself personally, is I, I I love being a seven, and it almost makes me want to be a seven more, and it wants me makes me want to encourage people more. So not only does it help me know who I am, but I also lean into being the best of this I can be. So if you're a helper or you're a challenger. You know this, and you're you're actually. It's almost like it's almost like doubling the impact of the enneagram in itself.
1: Yes. So sense? if I were coaching you, uh, you know, let's say I, right away, I, I would say somebody like David, how do you do with grief or sadness or the feeling of boredom, frustration, or stuckness or routine?
0: Yeah. If you're coaching me on that one, I'd say I don't do a very good job. Like I will try right. to just push away any type of pain and just look at the positive of it, act like it doesn't actually, like like my empathy level, probably not the best.
1: Okay, great. That's an amazing piece of self-awareness, right? So so for example, uh, sevens are, in some ways, their first line of defense is charm. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? They're very charming. And, and they have this ability, especially with authority figures, you know, to charm their way out of situations where they where someone may be trying to place limitations on them, you know? Uh and, and reframing negatives into positives uh, to avoid feeling what other people would feel should they have found themselves in the same situation. Right. It's always like you can find silver linings for the worst stuff, you know? And I would be constantly saying to you, you know David, if you wanna become a deep person, you're gonna to have to let a little suffering into your life. Otherwise, you're gonna turn out like Peter Pan. <laughs> a guy, you know what I'm saying? A guy who never wants to grow up. Yeah. And yeah. when you let suffering in, maybe what will happen is it will awaken empathy in a way that you never had before because you can't empathize with someone if you haven't suffered.
0: Yeah, totally right. It's acceptance of it too. I need to accept that. Like you would be my wife's best friend. She's gonna love you after this episode, by the way.
1: <laughs> what's her type? Do you know what her type is?
0: She's a two. She's a two. Yeah. So she's a good. She's, good number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a while. Yeah. Definitely very caring and giving. If, if I can ask you, what's your number?
1: I'm a four. You are a four. Okay. And is that the yeah.
0: did you say that's the rarest of types?
1: Well, I mean, yes, we think so. But of course that's speculation. I mean, you know, we haven't done a you know the whole we haven't done a you know a survey of the universe to figure that out yeah. but we, we seem to to see that uh, observe that um as teachers in, in the world and most teachers will will verify or, or agree with me on that i think uh you know the four is uh, disproportionately represented in the arts uh we're very creative we're very imaginative um and um Fours come in a lot of different flavors, and and I'm what's called a sunny four, Mm. meaning that it's interesting. When I take an Enneagram test, I often come out as a three or a seven, Uh, and and that's because uh, I present a very upbeat uh, exterior in some ways to compensate for uh, this feeling that maybe there's something broken inside me or something I'm missing that everybody else seems to have. Uh, and I wish I did, but I don't. I don't I uh, sort of feel like a guy who doesn't fit or belong in the world very much. now, having grown in self-awareness and grown in my uh, spiritual journey can I, and I will use that word spiritual not in the religious sense of the word, but when I say spiritual, I mean um, that I mean it existentially, right it's 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 really about Finding meaning and purpose in life, you know, it, the finding the trans our transcendent purpose. Right. And as I've grown in awareness, you know, I've learned that when the feelings of I'm not enough come up or the feelings of I'm a weirdo who's a misfit in the world come up, that I go, really? Is that is that old story true? Because that's an old story, brother. That's an old story. That story used to rule your life. But you can have a new story, you know if you choose to, uh, live it. And, uh, so again, you know, so many of these stories, these ideas, these feelings, these thoughts, these behaviors are so deeply grooved into our neural pathways. I mean, th- this stuff comes from the first year of life, mm-hmm. you know, early, early, early stories. Yeah. It takes a lifetime to rewind them, you know, and to begin to, if I can use the word to, uh, to heal them, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of the journey.
0: Totally. The unwiring muscle memory is built up over the years. We got to unwire that and rewire in the yep. correct way. I love it. I like mm-hmm. the point you hit on is, is the purpose, having purpose with passion equals being on a mission for God. And through mm-hmm. your work, you are showing people as a leader, as a, as an amazing leader, you are, you're not telling people what they have to be, but you're showing them what is inside of them, what God has created them to be and just literally helping them figure it out and helping them get it out themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, I sometimes get in trouble with this with some of uh, some people, but I often, you know, um, I believe in original goodness. I and I, I think sometimes people spend too much time talking about original brokenness or whatever. And and I'm like, well, yeah, I, you know, I get that, too. Yeah, I think we're broken and beautiful, but I don't think we spend enough time. Uh, recognizing, acknowledging, and celebrating our original goodness, and that's what I want the enneagram to do—is help people see that the the goodness. But now we do have to look at the shadow to get mm. to the goodness. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't bypass the shadow. That would be very seven-like. You know, we want to we want to <laughs> move through. We got to move through the discomfort of seeing how the adaptive stratagems of our personality. That we learned as little people to protect ourselves don't serve us as adults; they now work against us. So, again, it's about—in many ways—it's about reclaiming your personal goodness.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm with that, and that's—that's that's why you are a sunny four. You see the good. In that's right. But I why, do see the good. You know what? Why not live like that? I've been burnt many times, but I'm going to keep trusting people. Like it's—it's it's no fun just to think everybody's out out to get you. We are good at heart. I mean, we're all broken in some ways, but we start off good. I like that. I like that a lot. And Yeah. And I want to know, how did you come on this journey? How did, were you always interested in this? I know you have a great story in your book, Road Back to You, about your grandma. Can you talk about more about how you got into just being this guru of the Enneagram?
1: (laughs) That's what I'm calling well, you. You're, guru. A, guru. You're a guru. You are a guru. I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna grow my hair long, get a beard, move to Maui, and invite people to my home to do weeks of meditation at a time. I'm it's in. gonna be awesome. I'm in. I'm in. Um, yeah. Well, I've always been a person that was really interested in psychology, in uh, human spirituality, in helping myself and others make sense of their suffering, the things they've been through in life to help them move past those things. Uh, I've always been, you know, I was a songwriter, you know, I've I've been a novelist, I've been a, you know, a published novelist, a best-selling memoirist. Uh, You know, I just had a a wide array of interests and, uh, but all of them, you know, I became an Episcopal priest, you know, I went to seminary and that was an important part of my journey and and, you know, and then I became a psychotherapist and, uh, you know, and then I discovered the Enneagram and that became the focus of my energies. And, and, uh, I sound like a seven right now, don't I? I just did all these different things. And it <laughs> sounds do. like I had ADHD or you something you but, sound like me, but here's the thing, all of those, you know, vocations, uh, were in service to the same thing, which was just trying to help people understand their beauty, their goodness, understand their history and understand who they are in relationship to the mystery of God. And and if I could do that, that's a that's a big day for me if I succeed with one or two people at doing
0: that. Man, you are succeeding. That's that's a beautiful answer and that's what like I said, true leadership is about. You're showing people the gifts God's given them and you're helping them get out. I'm doing the same thing in the basketball world or the speaking world. That's what the mission we are on is created to be. So. Right. That's beautiful. I, you know, I could talk to you all day and you, you talked about your, your pivots that you've gone through and the seven that you actually truly are. You think you're a four, but I'm going to convince you're a seven. As an enthusiast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to juice you up like you're a seven. No, but I'm going to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat as we wind down here. So this can be quick answers, short answers, whatever comes to your mind, spit it out there. So the first one I have for you, do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by, might have on your fridge, on your mirror. Now, this is going to be a tough question for you because you have a lot of quotes. And in your book, there are some of the best quotes I have ever seen. I never saw before. So think deeply on this one.
1: What do you got? God, I have so many. I know. I really I know, do have so many. Too bad. You only get to pick one. Uh, um, oh, gosh. Well, one would be, in, in, you know, as a four, this is this would be an nice. important one. It's that no feeling is final. Mm. And, and I think that's really important for every person to know, right? That, you know, to maintain emotional, spiritual balance in the world, it's, it's important to remember no feeling is final. That's really important for sevens because sevens typically worry that if they get stuck in a negative feeling like uh, boredom, frustration, sadness, grief, anything like that, that they're never going to get out. And so they're like, uh, or there's going to be no one there to support them, to help them, kind of move through it. So they have to realize, guess what? No feeling is final. Let it have its way with you. It'll move on in its own time, and you'll be just fine. Let it have its way. That's true for fours for a different reason, but but I that's a, a mantra that I that I frequently use in my life, which is like, hey, Ian, you know, no feeling is final. Keep emotional balance. It's all good. It's going to be okay.
0: I love that. Uh, I think we all can use that in our lives. So thank you. Great choice of your quote. All right. The next one I have for you is what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily what the world would say it is or a big billboard saying you, your name, but what does leaving a legacy mean to you?
1: You know, I think if you, I don't really think about legacy very much um uh to be honest uh and and part of it is it's too future oriented you know if i stay in the present moment and do my best legacy will take care of itself you know Uh, and i think a lot of people who talk about legacy um well i'll be honest a couple of things okay number one you know in some ways thinking about legacy you know uh it's hard for for certain people groups to think about legacy because they're just thinking about getting by every day, dude. Yeah, totally. You you know what I mean? Think about legacy. can kind of be a privileged place. You know, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying we have to do our best. We got to get up every day and do our best and and just realize that the clock is ticking. You know, the clock's ticking and, and, you know, we, we have to be people doing our best and then legacy is going to take care of itself. Mm. Yes. That's
0: what I think. I completely agree with you. That's a great answer. And legacy is one of those terms. I like to pivot terms to mean different things. The world will say they mean one thing, like success, failure, rich. Like They don't necessarily mean what the world says. Same with legacy. And you're right. Focusing on the results will never leave you the results. Focusing on the process, the daily present, that's when the beauty and the legacy comes. So thank you. Great answer. Yeah, man. Good. And a fun one here for you. If you could invite three people... Three people oh, dead or alive. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna make the we're gonna yep. Yeah, this one always gets interesting. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you gotta limit it to three. And not just that, and you're at a dinner party. What are you cooking or postmating in for the dinner? Three people. Oh my and your dinner.
1: All right, hold on a second. Okay, so i got to get three people yeah. to invite to dinner. And what's the second half of the question?
0: Is what are you eating at your dinner party? This can be anything. This is like your death row meal. You're going out on top. I know we bring the hard oh, questions on Lord. the rapid fire. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Well, i um, Gosh, who would have liked to have it? T- <laughs> You're gonna have to edit the hell out of this because i got still thinking about. It's gonna take <laughs> totally about an hour cool, and a Totally cool, man. You take your time. Right, we can man. we can edit anything gonna, out,
0: so it's perfectly fine. It's, oh, it's yeah, gonna take, take your time.
1: forever for me to come over this. All right, um, that's
0: on me. I should have sent you over the pre questions on this one. Yeah, that's so a that's a that tough is, one. That man. is a, that is on the host.
1: That is that's a tough one. Move on to the next
0: question. Let me. Okay. Think about yeah. It. Totally. Totally. If you had one piece of advice that you could give somebody who is stuck in a situation, who is like a seven and feels so bad being stuck. What drop the mic piece of advice would you give to them to be able to make that pivot and go?
1: So there's a a wonderful concept that a guy named uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, we were at Loyola university. Uh, You know, Ignatius used to counsel people to to do a spiritual practice called Contra a Jerry, which means do the opposite <laughs> of what yeah. you normally would do the sort of the, the grain of the pattern of what you normally do and see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yep. you know, uh, and make a conscious decision to, to go against the grain of your habitual stream of of thinking, feeling and acting. Right. And you know, there's a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza does this. Remember where he does this thing where it's like, you know, he just starts to do the opposite of everything he normally does on dates and stuff like that, and and to see what happens. It's sort of that, but it's a little bit deeper. But I I think when people get stuck, they 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 tend to just resign to the stuckness. And I'm always like, hey, why don't you try the opposite of what normally you've been doing and just see what happens.
0: And a lot journal
1: about it, think about it.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times that'll work. I tell people if the whole world's going one way, you get your bags and you sprint the other way. So do the opposite. Yeah. Great answer. And how can we all follow everything that you are doing and just fully immerse ourselves in you and your teachings and your work and the road back to you and, and all your books? How can we just know every, how can we basically stalk Ian Morgan Cron?
1: <laughs> well, it's not hard. You, you can <laughs> yeah buy my, buy my book, The Road Back to You on Amazon or at you know, uh, books, bookstores everywhere. You can, uh, go to my, uh, website, Ian Morgan Cron, I A N M O R G A N C R O N.com. And there you can learn about my Enneagram IEQ nine assessment. You can learn about my true you course. We'll have more courses coming out shortly. Uh, speaking dates, uh, you, you know, I have a new book coming out next December. You can follow me on all the, uh, my social channels at, at Ian Morgan Cron. That's pretty good, isn't
0: it? That's really good. I can't wait till your next book comes out. Like I was telling you, I've, I've listened to yours three times and going through it the fourth time. So it's about time you get out with that next book. No. Well, thank you. <laughs> Ian, thank you for all you do. You're a, an absolute light for, for Jesus, for showing people their true gifts and talents and abilities through the Enneagram. So you're using your tool for, for good. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and spending time with us on the Pivot and Go podcast.
1: David, been a pleasure, man. Pivot and go